Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Shauna Picken is from a small island called Tasmania, just off the mainland of Australia. Shauna used to be a vegetarian, is a jeweler, and now is what she considers a honest hunter. Someone who understands where her meat comes from, understands how the hunting process occurs because she wants to undertake all bits and pieces of the process. I wanted to sit down with Shauna, short, sharp, to the point conversation like we like to have to really just get a story out of an individual of why they decided to become a hunter. And that's what we love to do here at Blood Origins, obviously, is just tell stories, people's stories. And this is Shauna's story out of Tasmania, Australia. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's my name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Are you, I hope you have a glass of red wine. Or at least something good. With I'm you. on the water, but I'll have a glass of wine afterwards. Oh my gosh! What? It's it's nine o'clock at night, isn't it? No, 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 eight o'clock. So it's not too bad. Oh, not too bad. I, I was pretty accommodating this morning. Five a.m. my oh, time. Oh, you're you know? you're good. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's very rarely though that I get to speak to Australia in the same time in the same day. Yeah, right. Um, all my family actually lives in Sydney. I yeah, don't know okay. if you knew that or not. No, I didn't know that. There you go. Yeah, I was just in Sydney in July. Spent 16 days in Sydney with all the flooding. You remember all the flooding yeah, that happened? Yeah, that was full on. Yep. Yeah. I was there. Holy moly. During the bloody flooding. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you handle it? Are you, was your family okay? Uh, luckily, Were they... Yeah, everybody was good. Luckily, the uh, where my mom lives didn't have... It was super flooding to the north, super flooding to the south. But luckily, nothing uh, Nothing was really happening around there. It was just... We were literally cooped up in a house for six days with two savages that wanted to go do things so 
Yeah, that's tough. That's really tough. So your whole family, you, you're saying that your mum and your dad are there or? Uh, we actually came back to lay my dad to rest. Oh. Uh, we scattered his ashes and whatnot. But yeah, my mom's Australian. It's the dark side of my family. We don't like to talk about that side, you <laughs> the know, the convict. South African side. Yeah, the convict side. <laughs> the convict side, that's right. The South African side, we tend, you know, I tend to, to elevate a little <laughs> bit higher than the, the Australian side, you know, for obvious reasons. Oh, of course, of course. I've got a, a couple of South African friends and I tell you what, yeah. <laughs> but they're all here in ta- Australia, sorry. So, Shauna, welcome to um, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. We seem to be on a run right now of Aussie uh, podcasts, and I know that I've been dogged in my persistence and my patience in getting you on the podcast. Yeah, look, thank you so much. Um, I do appreciate that. I have my own business, so it keeps me very, very busy, as you can and imagine. What is that business? Sorry. What is that business? Uh, I'm a jeweler. So a trade jeweler. I make uh, diamond engagement rings and wedding bands, and I also teach jewelry and how to make jewelry. You have a, a storefront shop or you do it at your house? Uh, it's a studio. So it's um, located in a place called Moona in Tassie in Hobart, okay. just, just about 15 minutes away from Hobart. Do your, um, your customers, they know that you hunt? Oh, that's a very interesting one. Look, I don't tell many people, but when they do find out, they're quite shocked. Yes. It's Why are they shocked, Shauna? A lot of people who are in the arts world. Just because you're in that business? Yeah, because I'm sort of in the arts world, they wouldn't assume that someone who is um, a very artistic, a very sort of, I suppose, uh, um yeah, an artistic person would want to go out and hunt animals. And mm. some people are quite shocked um, and they don't know how to take it. But usually most people are quite curious and they want to ask me about it, which is great. I love that because it means I get to talk to them and tell them my mm-hmm. story and why I hunt and why it's so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, Shauna, again, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. Give us a little bit of introduction to who you are, uh, where you live in the world, because obviously we have a very, very global audience. And probably like, what the hell is Tassie? Who's, who, what is that thing? So give us a little bit. <laughs> no worries. Uh, my name's Shauna uh, Picken, and I'm located in Tasmania in Australia, in just, just outside of Hobart. Um, and I've been hunting, I think, now for about 10, 10 years. Didn't grow up a hunter, obviously. Nope. No, not at all. No. The um, Did your family, is it... Is it your family just wasn't into hunting. You have siblings. I sure do. Yep, yep. And none of them hunt. In fact, my sister is a vegan. Believe it or not, and she's a vegan because I hunt. So it, it's a very interesting she story. She became a vegan because you hunted. Yes. She wanted to cancel you out. No, not at all. No. No, no. I meant no. What I meant, cancel you out. I oh, meant, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, outweigh me. Balance, 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 <laughs> balance the system. Yes, You're I... taking animals' lives, so I'm not going to anymore. <laughs> Look, it made her question. Um, whether or not she could go out hunting and she said to herself that she couldn't therefore she couldn't justify eating animals but, but doesn't she but have you had the conversation with her because she would be the perfect person to have this conversation with which is yep if i chose to eat meat whatever your sister's name is yes don't you think that this is the best way for me to decide to eat meat 
Oh, she absolutely agrees. Yeah, and that's she's very supportive of it, and she thinks it's wonderful that I can go out. Oh, and... you made the setup. You set us up here. You set us up that this is like this contentious. No, relationship. not at all. No, no, she's very understanding, um, and she actually respects the fact that I go out and hunt. And she, yeah, so she she thinks it's wonderful, but she couldn't do it herself. What does she think? Does she have a perspective on hunters and hunting? Since obviously your sister and she's a vegan. Look, I did. As you mentioned before, I didn't grow up in a hunting family. I grew up on a property um, where we had hunters around us, and the way we viewed hunters as being rednecks, really. Really. Um, yeah. Um, and so I grew up with that belief that. Most hunters were rednecks. They just enjoyed killing animals and they weren't very nice people. And so I grew up with that. Were the hunters that you interacted with like that? Never really saw the hunters. It was just that feeling. Uh, Just that sort of, the the sort of, the way that they were labelled. And so Hollywood TV personas? Pretty much, yes. Uh Yeah. So because of that, I grew up sort of having that belief as well. And I eventually became vegetarian because I wasn't really um, into the idea of sort of mass manufacturing animals for, to eat. So I became vegetarian and I think I lasted about three years. But I tell you what, I love meat and I love eating it. Mm. So I really missed mm-hmm. it a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I decided that if I was going to eat meat, I would eat a meat that was fairly sustainable. And over in Australia, we have a lot of kangaroos and wallaby. Yep. And yep. so. I started eating a lot of kangaroo and wallaby. Just buying it from the store? Yeah, just buying it from the store. But I always felt like if I'm going to eat these animals, I kind of feel like I should woman up a bit and take responsibility for, for going and harvesting the animals. Were you having conversations with people at the time that were hunters? or No. Was it just you just coming to this realisation that... Yeah, me just coming to the realisation. So my husband and I, uh, we actually met through playing soccer and he... Great sport. Great, great sport. Great sport. Fantastic. You know, football. It's the only sport that actually you use a foot and a ball <laughs> instead of America in which football doesn't actually use feet or a ball. And it's, anyway, it's, 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 it's funny you should say that because, uh, yeah, he always corrects me all the time. It's like, it's, it's not soccer, it's football. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so we met through doing that and we just ended up with too many injuries and um, we went to the, I love to cook, I'm, I'm a, mm-hmm. love it. We went to the butchers to go and get a rabbit and the frozen rabbits there were, I think $20 a kilogram, really expensive. Jeez. Yeah, very expensive. But it's such good meat. Such good meat. Gosh, dang, rabbit is amazing. Um, amazing. And so I just went, that's ridiculous. We see rabbits around everywhere. Um, <laughs> no, you didn't. We do. They're everywhere. No, no, no. I know. I, I'm trying to step through the next step. You know you didn't. Yeah. Let's go kill yeah. some ourselves. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yep. So we went and got our gun license. And to my surprise, when I went to the gun club, I was really nervous. And I thought, oh, here we go. We're going to meet all these, you know, big Bogan men, you know, and they were so lovely and so accommodating and really helped us, um, myself and my husband, along the hunting journey. So so your husband didn't hunt either? Didn't grow up in a hunting family? No, he... He's from Tasmania too? Uh, no, so he's actually from England, from Nottinghamshire. 
Okay. Yeah, but he's proper a proper gentleman. A proper gentleman. Um, his grandfather was a gamekeeper, and as a young boy, okay. he would go out rabbiting and ferreting with his grandfather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was his hunting experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the um. So talk me through. I'm, I'm I'm just fascinated by the journey, obviously, and that's why I wanted you on this podcast. Is that someone who didn't grow up in a hunting family no. was vegetarian, suddenly had this epiphany. Yes. That I want to. I want to live sustainably. Yes. And to do that, I feel like I need to take my own meat. That's right. Yes. That's exactly right. Yep. And. The journey that I took um, was a very slow journey. I think everyone thought thinks that these things happen just really quickly, but it was starting off by getting our gun license, practicing at the range, getting to know people, and talking to them about their hunting experience. And I always laugh because when we first started, we said to ourselves that we're just going to do rabbits. That's all. We'll just mm-hmm. hunt rabbits, mm-hmm. nothing else. And now mm-hmm. we're planning trips to you know, hunt Samba in Victoria. and Of course. <laughs> so it's progressed. <laughs> but the starting off with rabbits was an interesting one because we went and bought, you know, a twenty-two to go mm-hmm. and shoot. But most of the rabbits in Tasmania, especially, aren't in areas where you can shoot them. They're generally like in... Like urban environments the, and stuff like that, so you can't, really, you can't fire a weapon? No. Not at all. Okay. Not even air rifle as well. There's very strict laws. Really? Yeah, very strict laws. Yeah, preventing people from... That's the only thing about Australia that I don't like. I'll tell you that. I love Australia. Australia is probably the most wonderful country in the world. Except (laughs) the amount of rules in Australia. It's like a society that loves rules. The more rules, the better. You are absolutely right. Gosh, dang. I I totally... Everything has a rule. Uh, Like, you just like... Mm -hmm. The speed limit, the, the like, just driving in a car with my mother in Australia drives me bonkers because it's like, oh, we can't do that. And I was like, what do you mean you can't do that? Yep. Oh, that's the law. It's like, oh, my gosh. And there's really big consequences. There's really big consequences oh, if you yes, don't. You, you know, guys get, like, smoked. Smoked. Yep, we'll lose our license in a second if we don't do the right thing. And, yeah, it's, it's pretty tough. Look, the one thing I really hate is we're not allowed to have suppressors in Australia either. Mm. And I've actually got hearing damage because mm-hmm. we're not allowed to use suppressors. And it's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is no actual reason why we can't have suppressors, but it's just one of those stupid rules. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely ridiculous rules. No, it's good for people and it's good for animals. Um, there's no doubt about it. Absolutely. So tell me about that first time. Like, obviously, you're like, you're going out. You're like, okay, this is the time. We've done everything. We feel like we're confident enough. You're going out with a two two or a shotgun or what? Uh twenty two, so went out with a twenty two. Yep. Um the first time I went out um, And you and you're head shooting these rabbits, right? Yes, yes. So okay. we didn't end up doing um any rabbit shooting, mostly because we couldn't get onto properties. So in Australia it's particularly difficult to get onto hunting properties. Um, very, very hard. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of process that you oh, have that, to go I think through. That's ev- I think that's everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere in the world. The barrier of entry to hunting, one of the key barriers to entries to hunting is access. Yep. And it's not just that, but a lot of Australians have a big fear of firearms as well. 
So you can't yeah. just go up to some properties and go, hi, how are you going? Can I take my firearm here and start shooting? So mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not easy. So what happened is we started ferreting and we started using ferrets to catch rabbits. Oh. Yep. Which is, Did you have ferrets? We have ferrets, yep. Okay, so you've always had ferrets. Oh, wait, yeah. oh, no, no, we bought ferrets for the purpose of actually hunting with them. Yep. So we use the age-old tradition of nets and long nets and then putting the little ferret down the hole. The ferret goes down and scares all the rabbits out and we catch them and then dispatch them. So the first time I... So, you, you, so farmers were okay with you doing that yes. on their properties? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's good fun. Have you been ferreting? I have not. Oh. I have not. It's one thing that I have not done. If you ever come to Tassie, look me up. I'll take you out ferreting. I'll do it. It's addictive. Heck, it's yeah. good fun. I got, a lot of, I got a lot of things to do in Tasmania now. Wayne <laughs> Terrell has invited me to do something. Oh, he's a We've he's been a working champ. with the Wombat Rescue Australia people, um, with the Wombat Mange. Um, Good on you. Sh- uh, Shane Broadby is going to take me and catch me a, a big old brown trout in, in wherever he catches those he's, big brown trout. Oh, look, he's amazing. He's an incredible guy. You'll, you'll Look, I think everything's telling you to come down to Tassie. <laughs> One day. Maybe next year. Maybe <laughs> nice. next year. Nice. So, so anyway. Did, oh, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, we put, we, pop, we put the rabbits down and then we grab the rabbits in the nets. And once we've got a hold of the rabbit, we dispatch it by hitting it really hard on the back of the neck. So mm-hmm. I, that's how I started hunting is with rabbits and killing the rabbits. And it was through just that dispatching on the back of the neck. And look, there was moments where I was. And you felt like you could do that right away uh... from someone who just did. That wasn't absolutely, or was it, was it, and again, I'm not trying to force anything out of you here, but pretty, you know, pretty visceral, tribal, primal exercise. Um, I think, I'm trying to remember what it was like because it's been a while, but I think with the rabbit, it was about trying to dispatch it as quickly and humanely as possible without causing it mm-hmm. too much pain. So mm-hmm. that was kind of what I was really focused on. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've caught fish in the past. So for me, it was kind of like, you know, whacking a fish on the back of the head. Similar. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. But I have to say that was really different to when I took my first year. The emotions were very, very different with that. Anyway, so that aside, I'd been rabbiting for quite some time and sort of feeling comfortable with doing that. And then I went for a trip to King Island, which is a little tiny island up the top of Tasmania. Okay. And I went out with a hunter there and we went wallaby shooting. And that was an incredible experience, but I remember being very, very, very nervous. I'd been practicing Mm. shooting for quite some time to make sure Mm. that I was going to do a good headshot. But nervous because the individual was there next to you? Yeah. Was it the pressure of the individual? No, he was actually really understanding and really good. I think he was pretty happy for me to... Uh, I, I told him I'd never shot wallaby before and he was like, no worries, we've got everything set up here, you've got a good rest take your time. So he sort of coached, Mm -hmm. he helped coach me through it. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that most of the time when I've gone out with other hunters, they have been incredibly supportive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really helping to, to nurture that hunting. So why do you think there was such a, uh, obviously you've taken a deer in Tassie, a fallow deer. Yep. Yep. Quite a few now. Yep. So, um, it's always intriguing. Why do you you just mentioned earlier? Like, why did you think that? Why did you have a different reaction between 
you know, essentially, and dare I be a little caveman-ish here, um, you know, bludgeoning a rabbit on the back of its head and, you know, shooting a deer with a bullet from quite a ways away. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a vast difference in terms of human interaction in removal of life. And the one that you were furthest away from, it sounds like you had more emotion than the one that you were hands-on with. Ooh, that's a really good question. I And I think a lot of people struggle with that question as well. Maybe because it's the way I view the rabbits. Because um, I sort of see them... Oh, it's a really difficult one. It's almost Why do a different... you view them differently? Like, that's the yeah. thing, right? Here's the, here's the crux of the matter, right? Yeah. People have anthropomorphized... Mm-hmm. Wildlife differently. They have, absolutely. Wolves, grizzlies. Yes. Mountain lions. Yes. Big top apex predators have this like thing about them, right? Tied to humans. But, and maybe deer the same way, like a Bambi, right? But a rabbit, uh, it's just a rabbit. Well, technically it's the same thing. It's still a mammal, right? And they, it's, if, yeah. if you're valuing a deer, you should value the rabbit the same oh, way. Oh, I do you value should... them. I, I just think they're an incredible creature. Ah, it's a really hard oh, one. No, I wasn't saying that you didn't value um, it differently. I'm just I, sort of I, generally. I pose the same question to other people who have no issues with fishing and dragging a fish through the water with a hook and then dispatching a fish to a, a rabbit. And to me, they're very similar. Dispatching a rabbit and dispatching a fish are the same. And even... You know, I actually sometimes get a bit more sad with squid when we go out squidding and then I have to, you know, cut the squids, you know, to, to end its life. Mm-hmm. And I watch it sort of go through the transformation of colours. And I feel a bit sad and I watch it sort of change that white colour. Because you feel like it's got some higher no. intellect to it? No, no, I don't, I don't know. I can't answer that for you. I can't give you a succinct, clear answer. But... Do you feel differently between, let's say, dispatching a fish to dispatching a deer? Mm, I don't know. Um, I don't think so. Like, I, I get sad. I'm, I have a sadness about, like, when I'm trapping raccoons with my boys and we dispatch a raccoon. I, you know, I think that in any hunter's sort of process whether you recognize it or not, whether it's an eighth of a second or if it's eight seconds, you know, there's an inherent sadness to every time you take someone's life or take something's life. Absolutely. Um, and so I think that there's, there's, to me, there's an inherent sadness. Uh, to me, it's equal. Right? I, to me, it's equal. The raccoon or I've never gone rabbit hunting um, to a deer. But then again, if I like... We're about to go into dove season here in Mississippi, in Tennessee, September 1st, and I shoot a dove. Like, I've, I, mm, there's probably zero sadness there. Uh, you know, again, that, that, that eight seconds to an eighth of a second has, you know, been sort of squashed into nothing. And again, it's, a, it is why, like, why do you, that dove is, you know, maybe it's because they're so plentiful and they, they seem to be more of a quote-unquote pest species. Yeah, look, and I think you're right about that. I think it's because rabbits are seen as pest species um, and they're also so plentiful. 
Um, we went out rabbiting once and in two hours we caught 35 rabbits. Can you sell the rabbits to get that $20 a kilo meat? I wish we could. I really wish we could. But there is so many regulations in Australia. Oh, imagine that. <laughs> imagine So, that. no, it's against the law to sell any sort of um, meat from the wild. You have to be a – it has to go through an abattoir. If it doesn't go through an abattoir, you're not allowed to sell it at all. Mm-hmm. You're not even allowed mm-hmm. to give it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw those uh, regulations. I think they were yeah. Victorian regulations in the Animal Industry Act. Yep. Um, no, yeah, yeah. On the on the books, you're not supposed to be giving it away, but the enforcement of it is going to be absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So your Instagram handle is called the Honest Hunter. The Honest Hunter. The reason it's called the Honest Hunter is because I believe that hunting is really honest. So we're In not. In what way? Um, I just feel really connected to the land when I hunt. Um, I feel, it just feels so much better than just walking into a supermarket and getting a tray of whatever sort of meat. To me, I just feel that even the hunt itself, um, is giving the chance for the animal to get away, um, is honest. I just feel, yes. And so that's why we're called the honest hunter. You know, I'm scrolling through your Instagram right now, um, and it's it's obviously clear that you're a foodie. Did the foodie, did the foodie aspect sort of elevate now because you feel like the ingredients are? Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that's what also, it drives me quite a lot as well. Taking things from a uh, from the wild have a completely different flavour from your generic. Uh, meats and and things that you get from the supermarket they've got an intensity of flavor you have to treat them a little bit differently as well so you have to be um you know you have to be reasonably good at cooking to be able to keep cook up game meat um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think you have a lot more respect for the meat that you're using as well you tend to use all parts of it for example, a deer, when I get a deer, we not only break it all down, but I also take the bones and I roast the bones and I use that for, for bone stock. You know, pretty much everything's used. Uh, we keep the, the pelts and I tan them. So, yeah. And it's the same with the rabbits. We keep a lot of rabbit skins. But I have to say I do give the rabbit skins away because they're pr- pretty tough to, to tan. So I give it to other people that like to do that stuff. Yeah, 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 of course. But you don't just stop with deer meat, it looks like. It looks like you're you're trying to curate as much natural forage from the wild as possible, right? Yeah, absolutely. Nettles, um, you know, there's even things like wattle that we have, the acacia. Um, there's a lot of Tasmanian wild foods that we like to incorporate, like the pepperberry. Um, yeah, we're, we're very lucky to be surrounded with just an incredible range of different um, flavors. So I'm looking at a post of yours, um, venison cutlets with homemade pasta with dried foraged and fresh mushrooms. Yep. Um, I, I think my, my son's favorite cut is that, that bone in tenderloin, oh, that bone in cutlet, so um, especially with wild pig out of Texas, they're really corn fed pigs and oh. the, the pork, pork chops are just out of this world. He makes like a, a he calls it like a, a pork rib graveyard on his t- on his on his 
plate because he's eating so many of them. But you say, my sister's vegetarian, so I always have a hearty veg dish with a side of meat for everyone else. She became a vegetarian when I started to hunt. Her reason was I could never kill an animal. And I get that. It's not glamorous nor easy to be a hunter. But in my heart, I know that harvesting my own meat is as honest as it gets. I love eating meat, so therefore I'm at peace with the reality of that. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So, how does someone, in your mind, go from where you were to where you are today? If they're listening to this in Australia, non-hunters listening to this in Australia, or non-hunters listening to this in America? Uh, I just think having a support around you to be enable it. You know, like I said, going to the gun club really helped. Meeting other people. Um, it didn't happen quickly. It wasn't as if, you know, uh, suddenly I'm, I've got a rifle and now I'm going deer hunting. It was a very slow progression into the different types of game that I was going out and getting. Um, I don't think it's for everyone. Um, and a lot of my friends who have known me for a long time can't believe I'm a hunter. They're really shocked by it. Um, but they've come to terms with it as well. And I think they also love, um, you know, the results of the hunt as well. I think lots of them love the venison. So, but yeah, look, I didn't think I'd like it as much as I have. Mm -hmm. Do you think you, do you think you've made this an obvious question, but do you think you're falling more and more in love with hunting? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. As I've been going along. Look, and it's not just about going out and, and just, you know, getting an animal. For me, it's the whole experience. Like we can go out for weeks in an end and get no nothing. But you just see the most incredible things. You you know, like even just taking a moment to be still, um, to stop. And you don't think about anything. All you think about is, you know, is that a deer over there? Or like you, you just don't think about the, the worries that you have in everyday life. And Do I, you see yourself looking at the woods differently? Yes. Yes. At the bush differently? Yes. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. It's like you become in tune with something inside yourself. Um, you become a part of nature and it's really, really special. Really special. A lot of people, if a non-hunter was listening to you or an anti-hunter was listening to you and they heard me say, you, you know, you're falling more and more in love with hunting. They would probably say, "You no, no, she's not. She's just falling more and more in love with killing more things. I took a lady out and she hadn't done a lot of hunting before and she didn't shoot anything, but we just stalked for a time. So just being quiet, listening, very quietly walking. And she said it was an incredible experience for her. Whether or not she could go out and actually you know, take a deer, I'm not sure, but the experience of just being out in the bush, taking your time, looking, searching for the deer, looking for sign um, was an incredible experience for her. I think it's really challenging trying to convince people that it's not about the kill, um, that the kill is literally five seconds of it, that it's everything that's around that I the reason I started the Instagram page is because I wanted to show people a different side of hunting and I also want to show people that it's not just a bunch of rednecks going out and being bloodthirsty because that's mm -hmm. the narrative that was told to me mm -hmm. and it's totally incorrect. 
let me ask this. Maybe I'm fascinated. How did the narrative get told to you? Through movies. You know, like you said, the like I think Disney does a really good job at doing that. You know, um, I think there is a lot of, you know, the hunter being the bad guy, going out and getting Bambi and killing Bambi's mum, you know, those kind of stories that are told, which just constantly shape that view that the hunter is the bad person and the animal is the, the poor, innocent creature. That's, that's my view. Well, um, you know, that's what we're trying to do with Blood Origins, really, is to try and change every single day the perceptions of, of who we are as hunters, number one, and number two, sort of communicate the results, the benefits, the consequences of the action, you know? Which is so, so important. And I think, like you're saying, uh, especially in Australia, the more there is movements um, that are pushing against hunting, the more rights we will lose. And I think getting a good narrative out there to say, hey, we're not the bad guys is really important. So you're doing a really great job and it's a really important mm -hmm. job mm -hmm. because there is that pushback that we do get. And I think that's why oh, yeah. people, when they meet me, are always quite shocked when they find out I'm a hunter because they don't expect someone who is an artist, a jeweler, who has her own business, who's well-dressed and well-spoken, would go out on the weekends and go and do hunting. And they're very shocked when they go, oh, wow, I didn't realise that hunters are like that. And then I say, yeah, hunters are doctors and nurses and, you know, the hunters are all around you. And this narrative of the redneck is just ridiculous and it needs to mm -hmm. be stomped out. 100% mm -hmm. agree. 100% agree. Well, Shauna, we like to tend to keep things short, sharp and to the point. Um, Thank you so much. Um, Thanks, Robbie. It's been great. Is there anything else that's on your heart that you want to communicate to someone listening? <sighs> that's a really tough one. Maybe um, be kind to the newcomers, you know, especially if they're sort of coming in, they're all, they're a bit green. Um, show them, like, I'm not saying take them to your favorite hunting spot or whatever, but just, um, you know, sort of be encouraging of it. Uh, yeah. Because I think... Share it. Share right? it. Share the Abs thing that you love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take a non-hunter out there and even not for a shoot, but just for a stalk and watch it. They will love it. They will love it. Just a pair of binoculars and just get them to dress up in the camo and go out for a bit of a walk and see if they can spot something. Because it ignites a little flame inside of you where suddenly you see the world just that little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Sean, it's been a pleasure. Uh, Thank you, Robbie. I look forward to seeing more of your journey and, um, yeah. yeah, thank you. Have a great day. I'll go and grab I'll that glass it. of wine. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. 
Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.